Privacy and Friends is a unique thought-provoking program that brings our listeners closer to the understanding of the Word of God. We focus on things that are straight from the Bible that may need clarification to others. We make it as simple as possible. Welcome all our listeners to another edition of Brother Z and Friends. We bring you tippets from the Bible, entertaining gospel music. We interview personalities, gospel singers, writers. Don't touch that dial and you will be blessed by the end of it all. Hallelujah, brother. See how you're doing. I'm, I'm, I'm very well. I'm very well. <laughs> good, good, good. Thank you for your singing this morning, brother. See, you're welcome. Oh, yeah, you got me. I you missed out. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You missed out. <laughs> Pastor, how you doing? How you doing? I am doing well. <laughs> good, good, good. Wonderful, wonderful. So let's take it away with the danger, the danger, the danger. I said it three times, so it's all yours. All right, the danger of building faith on family, friends, or feelings. Scripture reference, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which Mm -hmm. is Jesus Christ. That's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Mm -hmm. verse 11. So Mm -hmm. building our faith on family. Let's see. If your faith rests on the influence of family, then you'll have a shaky foundation. Perhaps your parents were strong Christians. They Mm -hmm. drummed Christian teaching into you. You accepted that, they said. Mm -hmm. But at some point, it occurred to you that you have never really thought deeply about Christianity for yourself. So true. You've always believed, but you do not really know why. Building your faith on friends. Maybe the dominant influence in bringing you to faith was not family, but friends. And you became part of a group and you identified with the group and its beliefs. Then later on, you went to a secular university Hmm. and found yourself with a different group and none of them believed. You began to Hmm. drift from your faith Hmm. and behave like a chameleon. And then feelings. Our culture places tremendous emphasis on feelings. Most TV marketing is not addressed to the mind, but to the emotions. Whether it's a new drink or a new car, the pitch is about how it will make you feel. So the pressure is on for the church to appeal to how Christianity will make you feel too. Many well-meaning Christians have said, I know it's true because I feel it. But what happens when you don't feel it? Hmm. In this broadcast, we want to discuss the importance of being rooted in truth and how to avoid the pitfalls of error.
exclusive and you know it, everybody jump and shout. Know that Jesus Christ is Lord, just shout it all about. Amen, amen, amen. If you know the Lord is with you, just lift your voice and say, Amen, amen, amen. Say amen if you believe that He will guide you all the way. Amen, amen, amen. To Him, the power. I would like to hear from us here as much as we can about our experiences with growing up in a Christian home, as Pastor had read in her, you know, mm-hmm. openings. I would like to hear, you know, how did we grow up? Um, can can we throw anything there, um, Brother Z? You mm-hmm. want to start on that one? Oh, okay. Uh, you're putting me way back, <laughs> um, and I don't quite know how. Looking back, how Christian my family life was. My mother was English Catholic, Mm -hmm. and my father was Roman Catholic. So actually, I recall going to church on my own, Mm -hmm. Roman Catholic, because that's... I don't know how I got there, but being there, I was very, very... I'm going to use the word spiritual. I went to church. I attended Mass every morning, every morning before going to work. So I had to get to work for 7 o'clock. And like after 6 six o'clock or so, I was in church. Mm. I remember what a part of my life, an entire year, I took communion every day. Mm. But I wasn't influenced by anyone. That was by choice as far as I'm concerned. All right. So you were well focused at that kind of age. I, yes. How old were you then? And um, we were looking at, um, I started working at age 16. Mm. So we're looking at, yeah, 
16, so. 17. Okay. Pretty, pretty young, a teenager. Okay. Mm. Well, I was um, I was given to my uncle uh, at about the age five or six, and that's what we call a private adoption in the Caribbean. You, yeah. you know, you want a child, you just go and go, ask, yeah. uh, or you just take a child from, take a child from and the raise them as your own. Yeah. So, but it, and it was um, Pentecostal; it was New Testament um, Church of God. My uncle and my aunt-in-law. They were both Christians, but I I draw most of my um, strong Christian influence from my uncle. My uncle's wife lifestyle always bothered me a lot. You know, she would uh, do things as far as I'm concerned that I didn't see my uncle do. So I was wondering, well, why would she be cursing this person? Why would she be saying uh. that to that person? And in front of their face, she was the nicest person. Uh. So my Christian strong, um, I don't know if it's a stronghold, came really from my uncle. I emulated my uncle. And a lot of his ideas, the way to pray and the way to sing songs came from my uncle. uncle I was influenced, him. By, influenced by him at a young age. Mm-hmm. So pastor... Huh, we left the best for last. Yeah. Yes, the best for last. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, um, my family was, uh, uh, they believed in God and uh, believed in Jesus. Uh, my grandmother was Baptist. Mm. My mother didn't really go to church, um, but she taught biblical principles to us. So, I really, the only person I think that I really was influenced by would probably be my grandmother. Mm. Um, But still, you know, she did things that um, I didn't think were Christian-like, like Like she would smoke cigarettes and do, you know, Uh little things. And uh, as a young girl, I don't know where I even got the knowledge of Mm. God from, but I knew that wasn't right. (laughs) So, um, basically, the biggest influence in my life in the way of God was the word of God that I heard in the Baptist church and the word that was indirectly taught to us from my mom and my grandma. Uh, Those little sayings uh, that they would say, telling us to don't wear our welcome out at someone's house and little things that. Uh, they would teach us and how to behave and things like that um, that I just clamped to those things but as far as having someone that I really just watched and modeled my life after I didn't have anyone of that sort mm-hmm. the music that we play complements the topic that we may be discussing at any given time Come along 
met the man who died on the cross and rose again. He did it so you could live eternally. Trust and believe in him so you can sing along. So um, from a biblical um, example, can we give uh, an example of any children who encountered um, their salvation in their youth? Um, I can think of, uh, the first one I think of actually when I saw this question was Eli talking to Samuel. You know, mm -hmm. um, when, you know, he says, speak, after the third time going to him, you know, he says, you call me. He said, no, 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 I didn't call you. And then Samuel realized that the Lord was calling him. Actually, I think it was the second time. And he said, the next time you hear that voice, just simply say, speak, Lord, for thy servant hear it. Right. Mm -hmm. Prior to this, I hadn't, hadn't the slightest idea of who would be one. And I tried to re, um, research it and... I lost it. I had it overnight, but now <laughs> it's gone. But isn't? But didn't like Abraham have a son or something mm. who would fall in that yeah. category? No. Um, so maybe I'm off. Okay. Yeah. Well, 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 Lord, bless, um, bless that senior moments, please. No, it's not a senior. <laughs> no, it's not a senior moment. It's a lie. Okay. Okay. Can you think of anyone, Pastor? Jacob, Jacob. Um, yeah. you okay. know, Jacob, mm -hmm. uh, he tricked, you know, they say he tricked his Esau. brother, but his brother sold his birthright. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, mm -hmm. you know, with the way that he was and the fear he had of his brother, he encountered God, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. saw the uh, wrestled with the angel mm -hmm. um, and his name was changed. And that was his spiritual encounter with God that right, changed right. his life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We know how um, influential friends can be, and um, friends and different people. Um, do we know anyone who had a challenge keeping their faith when they moved, say, away from their Christian friends and family? You are with your Christian friends. Yeah. You, you grew up in the church. Then, let's say, for argument's sake, you move on to university or to college. Right. And then you got influence by those people so you lost your faith uh, okay I, I wouldn't say i got influence oh yeah maybe yeah i wouldn't say i got influence i recall times that i drifted away not by influence but mm. it's it just happened i just just drift away mm. and had to catch myself and come back mm. come back to where i used to be uh, if I think of it as an influence, it w it would more be not an individual, 
friend or anything like that, but my environment, what's, what's going on in my environment, and I perhaps felt I had to participate in it to be accepted. Mm. Well, I was just, you know, thinking about uh, that those that fall into that trap of drifting away when they get around others that don't believe i think it kind of goes with the scripture that tells us that evil communication corrupts good manners mm. however we must be rooted and grounded in our faith and you know have not just an understanding but have a relationship a personal relationship with the lord mm. and i think that's what's lacking when people do drift off when they get around different friends or leave home or even base their faith on a feeling. My, my uncle, I've never seen him smoke. I've never seen him drink. I never hear him curse or anything like that. But when I got to a certain age as a teenager, I got influenced by some of my peers. And um, I got involved with smoking. I got involved with drinking. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, smoking hard stuff like ganja and all that. I soon realized that, you know, that wasn't for me. That wasn't what I, 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 I was taught. And so, <laughs> you know, uh, I had the, the strength to pull away from it. And, um, and move move into other circles. So yes, I was influenced by friends. Do we believe that a person's environment should influence their faith? Not, it, it shouldn't, but it, it definitely does influence your faith. It's as I said before, that it was not more an individual, but it was the, the neighborhood, the... The um, behavior of the the people in the neighborhood and mm. and so on that peer pressure, if you want to call it that. What about your church environment? Shouldn't um, that uh, um, no? There wasn't such a faith? no. That wasn't uh, there was no church uh, environment. I chose to go to church, but mm. it, after church, it was back to the normal. Mm. normal living it's not okay. like here we are we, my friends are church friends mm. but in, in my youth it wasn't like that yeah but we'll bring it forward a little now uh -huh. our church our friends are now church people yeah. we go to church we sing we listen to the preaching should our faith be influenced by our present surrounding i i would say yes ah okay um how how far <laughs> out are we pastor no, on that question that mm -hmm. a person's environment should influence them, mm -hmm. um, it does. Okay. However, we must have a personal relationship, I believe, with the Lord so that um, we can stand against the pressures of, as they call, peer pressures mm -hmm. um, and things like that. Um, it does happen because I believe of that very fact, whether or not that person is rooted and grounded. But uh, just like going to church, like you said, that's why I think it's so important that we forsake not the assembling, because God knows we as humans, we tend to imitate what we see. Mm -hmm. uh, and we tend to gravitate to that environment. So it's mm -hmm. good that we stay connected okay. with the local church. 
Yeah. Right, right. Yes. So Anointed Community Services International. We're a nonprofit 501c3 organization, and we educate and empower the disadvantaged women, youth, veterans, and seniors in South Lake County. We're currently managing the Elise Tomlin Community Center in Groveland, Florida, and offering free programs for youth, women, and seniors. We're offering an after-school tutoring program, a summer activities program, a women's network uh, that brings women together to educate and empower them to be self-sufficient, and also a Meals on Wheels program that delivers food for veterans and seniors in the community. Many are receiving help applying for food stamps, Medicaid, getting legal document assistance, and even starting a business. We'll soon be in a new Elise Tomlin Empowerment Center that will have a business incubator where small businesses will be able to start off with a low overhead and get free services by our staff. We believe in empowering and transforming communities. And we can be reached by calling 352-404-7898. Again, that's 352-404-7898. Or you can visit us online at www.anointedcs, that's C as in cat, S as in Sam, dot org. Anointedcs.org. Bridging the gap between the young and the elderly. Brother Z and friend, we are glad you are listening.
Well, now, you know, our youngsters are um, growing up, graduating, leaving home, and um, leaving the Lord, even though they grew up in the church and all that. So what advice could we give a person who grew up in the church and um, in their homes as Christian, but then for whatever reason they have departed from the faith and departed from God? What advice can we give to them? In, in my case, I wouldn't give them advice. I would arrest them and take them back to church. <laughs> <laughs> Better see you asking for trouble. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what advice am I going to give you? Hey, yeah. what you doing here? Where should you uh, be? Come on, mm. let's go. Yeah. Put handcuffs on mm. them and take them to church. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I scribbled a little note here and said I would jump into damage repair. Control. control. Yeah, damage control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> y- you see, um, here's the thing, you know, a lot of um, our youngsters that grew up in the church, some of them are in the church and they are actually bored because what what we are giving them is not what, they are used to that's not what their friends are into mm-hmm. and somehow we just can't find uh, that um that equilibrium if that's a good word to use here mm-hmm. where we can get them to balance between their life that and the balance, church and college yeah. and all that you know so so pastor what should we do how, how can we help them pastor well you know but i don't believe that we should conform uh to uh, the ways of, um, you know, the young people just because they're bored. I believe that they're bored because they're not seeing a manifestation of God in our services. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone come in a service where prophecies coming forth, healings coming forth, um, that, you know, even the very thoughts in their mind is being revealed, you know, right. um, things are happening and things are excited. Um, the worship is exciting and, and the spirit of God is moving on people where they're weeping before him, where they're dancing. You know, that's not boring. Mm, <laughs> mm, mm, mm. So I think that, you know, that is is number one, that we welcome uh, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit into our services and stop trying to control the Holy Spirit and tell him when to talk, when not to talk, when to Mm -hmm. sing, when not, you know, and, you know, you don't have to conform to the, to the youth way Mm. of life in the world. We just have to let God be God in Mm. our midst. And I believe that the youth will, they'll, they'll get on board. Okay. And, Mm. uh, and also I'm saying that we should never forget, uh, as parents who raising the children they, that you know in your heart you brought them up the way that you the bible um, tell you you should bring up your children mm. but there's no guarantee that mm. after that when they become adults or what that they will stick with it don't mm. so we shouldn't well, I mean, the Bible promises us that, mm. you know, train up a child in the way yes. that they should go. And when they are old, they won't depart from it. Even though some do depart, Ooh, yeah. but that seed mm. is within them. Then. And my my advice to our young people would be to uh, help them formulate a relationship with God for mm-hmm. themselves mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. prayer, 
mm-hmm. and through the word of God. Yeah. That is going to be their keeping force, their mm-hmm. relationship with him mm-hmm. on their own. Not what mama said, not what daddy said, said not right. what friends believe in, mm-hmm. but what I uh, have encountered, you know, from the Lord, what mm-hmm. they've heard mm-hmm. from the Lord. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, when you talk to some people that are not saved, and you would say, like, are you saved? They say, well, what do you mean? Are you a Christian? Well, my mama is uh, Catholic, or my mama is Baptist, or my father and my uncle. And then it's them you ask the question, right? So if your parents are saved, does that make you as a child, as the children, automatically saved. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, I, I can tell you that I, I say no. No, straight not at up. All. Because right. I, yeah. Right. I think salvation is a personal thing. It's personal. You gotta yeah. have that personal experience with Jesus Christ. You know, you mm-hmm. you can't be saved through your mama or your papa. Right. Although, mm-hmm. Pastor, isn't there some place in the Bible? that said the husband is sanctified through the wife and vice versa mm-hmm. or something like that. Yes. Well, well, how would that fit in with this question? Yes. Well, let's get the understanding of that mm-hmm. because what that's saying is that the promise of God uh, says that that husband will be sanctified by the wife, meaning that he will be saved if the wife continues to you know, live before him in a chaste uh, life. Mm. And I, 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 I know of an example of that. We're watching this man right now uh, come to Christ, mm. start praying with his wife and, and, and calling on the name of Jesus. So okay. that is a promise of God, uh, a sure promise, just like the promise that tells children, honor your parents, uh, that your days may be long on the land and it may be well with you. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a sure promise of God, mm. but it's still a process that that man will yield to as he's living there with his wife. And like I said, I'm, I'm looking at, a, I, I see a, an example right now mm. of a woman who's been praying for her husband and he loves her and he's been there. He's faithful uh, treating her well, and she just continued to stand for God and to pray. And now mm. he literally came to her and said, "Let's pray together every day." Wow! And they, yes, and they are <laughs> praying together every day because we stood on that scripture. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's that's great, um, Pastor. But um, what? Let me see. The next question is: What believers in the Bible? had children who did not follow God. I mean, I know a lot of um, believers in these days where they're they're Christian and, you know, their their children don't follow God. But what about in the Bible? Do we have an example? Can we pull one up? Yes, many. I know I can depend on your pastor. Do you you know Samuel's (laughs) children did not follow God? The Bible says that when Samuel was old, he was getting ready to give the priesthood to his children, but his children were takers of bribery, Mm. and they did not follow the Lord like Samuel. Mm. Eli's children, of course, did not. Uh, Aaron's boys, uh, two of his boys, Hophni Mm. and Phinehas, did not follow God. Mm. Um, There are many, and, and 
prophets, like I said, Samuel, uh, Eli. Uh, there's another uh, renowned prophet in the Bible, and it's leaving my mind right now, mm. whose children did not follow God. Right. And, what, uh, yeah. What about Job? It's a personal choice. Yeah, what about Job? It's, <laughs> it, well, you know, Job's children, he was covering them in prayer, uh -huh. and they were having a party. They are not time of their life. They, you know, <laughs> right. They yeah. lost their life. They lost their life. So mm. we don't know, you know, what the situation is was with them, but they died, and they were having a party in their house. But the thing about it is, you know, praying for our children, putting the word of God in them, Hmm. And then praying that they surrender and give, you know, have that relationship with the Lord. And also, not just praying for them, but teaching them to okay. have a relationship. Like, I, I taught my kids to pray. Mm -hmm. I taught my grandkids to pray. And to this day, my granddaughter prays. Okay. And that's important, that they have uh, that relationship, because God will do the rest. Right, mm -hmm. right, right. Mm. Um, switching a little bit, Pastor, uh, on this one here on the topic of, um, we're still on topic, but um, this, what, this question comes in, so we have to deal with it. When it comes to emotionalism, what are the dangers of it in the church? Let me let Brother Z chime in on that. So if you come to Brother Z, Brother Z wants the question Repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When it comes to emotionalism, emotionalism. or the feelings, the, the, the feeling, feeling yeah. portion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are the dangers of it in our churches? And I, I think I'm, if we're not careful, there are people out there who, you know, the ones who, what is the word I'm looking for here? The, what, what was it? Sam, the Sam guy who. Out of Guyana, who had followers and and oh. so on, bring you to a point where your emotions oh. take over, and you will do every single thing okay. that that person tells oh you to do. So you're being yeah. misled based yeah. on you know the, the emotions you're going through uh. at at the given given time, and there's it you. You, it is a very dangerous thing. I'm talking, you all should remember the one in, in Guyana where so many people, he made oh, everybody. Jones. Jones, Jones, yeah, Jones. Yeah, Made okay. everybody take poison, kill them out, and <laughs> hundreds of people were trapped on this island. Mm. Uh, and So, yes, yeah, so to me, it, it could be very dangerous if you're not in control of your your emotions because mm. there's good and bad in in every situation yeah but but is there any place for any kind of emotions in the church yes controllable i mean uh, yes uh, you see on a sunday based on the music and all of that uh, i see now people in church are getting more and more into what's going on and leaving their seats and going around and really having mm. the spirit in uh, coming out of them. So mm. if the question is if there's any p place for that, I say yes, there is. Okay. Because I, I was under an impression that God gives us emotion. Yes. And uh, yeah. we, we, we um, react to him 
with emotions, with our emotions. Mm -hmm. Am I correct, Pastor? Is there any... Yes, he does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I guess this question is based on those who uh, esteem their feelings, how they feel in church, the emotionalism of church over faith and uh, the knowledge of God. Mm. So and and I do know that this is uh, uh, prevalent and it's um, really a problem uh, among some young people that they'll come to church because they can jump and shout and it makes them feel good. Mm. But then when they go home, yeah. they live a defeated life. They're depressed and they use church sometimes like a fix, like a drug okay. um, to make them feel good. And that's, mm. that's, I believe, the danger okay. of, of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you rely on how you feel over what you know or vice versa when it comes to uh, our Christianity? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, wouldn't that be a, a mix uh, of the proper balance of one and the other? Mm. Well, if you come to church today and you don't feel like singing, you're just sick. You don't sing. You don't no. Do huh? no. Why <laughs> okay. not? No. Why? That, because the word of God tells us to offer the sacrifice of, of praise. praise. Okay. When we come into the house of God, it's not based on our feelings. That's the problem with, you know, that's what happened with Eve and, and with all of those that failed in the Bible because they were going off of their feelings. Uh, we have to press past what we feel like. You, mm. Some people wouldn't go to church at all because they, when they get up in the morning, they don't feel like. Or, do you know some preachers don't feel like, I mean, and I won't say some, every preacher has gone through that where they didn't feel like going to church and preaching. But out of commitment okay, and love for God and duty, um, you do it. And so when, when we go to church, sometimes you don't feel like uh, praising God, but the Bible says it's a sacrifice of praise. Mm -hmm. That means a sacrifice is something you wouldn't normally do. Are you saying that the only praise there is, uh, it has to be visible? It has to come no, out? Can I? Not can at I, all. Not well, at all. You what didn't are hear we me saying? Say that. You didn't hear me say that. Even opening your mouth. Uh, Even raising of your hand. I must uh, do that, there, are you there, saying? You know, one day we'll talk about the seven uh, the seven words for praise. Hala, uh, tequila. One of them is raising of the hands. One of them is uh, playing the instruments. All of those play mm -hmm. a part mm -hmm. in praising God. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so, you know, there are some people that are handicapped. Maybe they can't get up and stand up and right. praise God and do this and do that. But they can do something. They can open their mouth and with their heart posture toward God, they can offer a sacrifice. And I believe that we must open our mouths because the Bible says the fruit of your lips, giving thanks to his name. If you don't open your mouth, your lips don't have any fruit. The mm -hmm. fruit is your voice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I don't want to prolong this, but I'm struggling with, like, if now we have to have the praise police in, in church that looking to see who's not expressing outward uh, praise and doing something about it. I, 
I think he, we should allow people to church who attend in church to be themselves and help them, you know, encourage them either after or what. But mm. <laughs> well, you do, you do. No one uh, gets up and rebuke anybody and say, "Oh, you're not standing up. Oh, you're not singing." Um, but everybody comes in and expresses in their own way. And so you don't condemn one who gets up and jumps and shouts, and you don't condemn one who sits there and just raise their no, hand but, or say hallelujah. I, I have experienced pastors who get up there and preach that, that about who's, who's not um, standing, standing up, who is there. not dancing, mm -hmm. and all of that. And I don't think that is right. If I'm there, it's because Did you, I want so no. to. Go ahead. So you say you've heard a pastor preach that? Yes. What, what did you say? Uh, yes, oh. I'm saying who actually point out or or not point out, but make reference to those who didn't get up or who's not expressing themselves and and so on. Yes, I hear pastors uh, um, do that, and that to me that turns off people. In the first place, if a person is there, it's because that person wants to be there. So help right. them. That that's the way. That's the way I. But what, I but what feel about, about it? But but brother Z, yes. what, what are people about people who are just naturally shy? Okay, it's not that they don't want to worship uh -huh. and praise. Yes. What about whoever is leading? Encourage them. Well, well, that's what I'm. That's what I, I'm saying. And the encouragement doesn't have to come at that particular time but you t make a mental note of that uh, okay. you realize that this person or this group of people who particularly when people who come for the first time second time they're getting to mm. know the group and like you say they're shy shyness is not a sin mm. so you're saying then um perhaps they should be taught these exactly. things yeah. exactly yeah. exactly yes. exactly that's right you hit it right on the nose because mm. Uh, and I can remember the church where I grew up. That's what my pastor did. Mm. And he taught on those seven names That's for right. praise. Mm. And once we came into the knowledge of that, that there are different ways to praise God. But the, the key of the matter is he also taught us that God inhabits the praises of his people. Okay. So the ultimate purpose of true believers and strong believers is to bring God in the midst so mm. that souls can get saved so that we can see these miracles that we were talking about earlier when we invite God in. The way we invite him in is through our praise. And see, that's what a lot of people don't realize. Mm. They don't realize that he inhabits the praises. You can, in our, in our church, oh my goodness, and everybody's up. Not okay. one hardly is sitting down and they are giving God praise with their voice and God comes in and miracles happen. All right, but that's and, time. I mean, miracles happen because we have invited him and almost everybody in the room is on one accord. Nobody's sitting there looking around, seeing what this one's doing, what's that one's doing. Everybody's focused on God and on giving him thanksgiving that he is due 
Mm-hmm. He is due that praise okay. because he's good. Pastor Linda, you're blessed to have a church like that. I would suspect it could be a small, not considered a large, a large uh, or medium-sized church. But the, my final, I'm not going to prolong this. Uh, my final thing is that some people come to church not to praise, but to be saved. And, and you but have to be to what? Saved. They, they come there because they want to be saved, not r- realizing that it, being saved could come through oh, yeah. praise. But I'm just saying. Yes, I know that. That's what I'm saying. I said those that are strong in the Lord, those who already saved are the mm-hmm. ones who set the atmosphere so that miracles can happen and people can get saved. Those people that are not saved, they don't know anything about praising God or anything like that. But those of us who do, we set the atmosphere so that they can get saved. Excellent, Pastor. You, you have a, a, a word of exhortation for us. This was kind of spirited, and that's, that's well, wonderful. Brother George, did you have any comment? Did you have any comment well, on that? Pastor, Brother Z, I grew up in a Pentecostal environment where nobody mm-hmm. sits. We right. all stand and sing and dance and shout and worship God. And that's what I'm used to. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit fails. People get saved. Right. People get healed. And people get revived. And that's the kind of right. um, church environments we were brought up in. Right. Mm-hmm. And and we can go to the Word of God even. Even as the disciples came together and they prayed. And the Bible says that the whole house was shaken. Uh, and the Lord came in. Uh, and did miracles the whole house was shaken there in the book of Acts you know and we have different upbringings different churches different administrations but when we go to the Bible you know we leave denominations right there in the past and we come into uh, the house of the Lord the Bible tells us in Psalms 100 that we ought to make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. We can get glad at a football game 
but we can't get glad at the church. Uh, we can get glad at a hockey game or a soccer game, but we can't get glad in the church. There's something desperately wrong. Now, we don't base our uh, salvation or our faith on feelings or emotions, but they do play a part. Just like King David, when they were bringing back the Ark of the Covenant, David, the Bible says, he danced unashamedly until he danced out of his clothes. And his wife <laughs> looked at him in disdain and she hated him in her heart. Why? Because she felt like he was an embarrassment. He was going too far. And sometimes we get that pushback from some that think it doesn't take all of that. But when you know the goodness of the Lord and what he's done for you, it there's a part of emotions that plays in that. I don't know about you, but I get emotional. Sometimes I may cry. Sometimes I may scream and shout. Sometimes I might jump and dance. Is my faith based on that? No. Do I have a knowledge of God? Yes. And I believe that in this time and season, that this is the basic um, truth that we need to have not only a knowledge of God, but a relationship with God. And when we do, our faith is not predicated on whether we are still with our parents or feel that we've been saved because our parents were saved. Now, the Bible gives us a promise that all of our children will be taught of the Lord. And I believe that because of the covenant that we have as parents with God, God sends his angels to literally chase our children, that our children are protected by our prayers. And the angels of the Lord are there to encourage them and, and, and invite them to get a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So they have an upper edge, if you would say, on some others, maybe, because of the covenant of their parent, but it does not make them saved. And as far as friends, it's important, the friends that we choose. Evil communication, the Bible says, corrupts good manners. And so if you're around that type of environment all the time and forsaking the environment of salvation or of saved friends, um, then you can look to be led astray. And as far as feelings, as we mentioned earlier, we don't come to church just to have a, a good feeling and then go home and don't have a relationship with God, because then you base your faith on feelings. But the Bible lets us know that we can't base our faith on any of these things except an intimate relationship with God. Intimacy is what we call the experience of really knowing and being known by another person. The Bible tells us in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, that if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. If we cleanse our hearts and purify our minds, he will draw near to us. And that is where our faith should be based, on that relationship with God. Uh, an intimate friend is someone we feel very close to. They know us at a deep level. And if something happens that dangers the intimacy with our friend, they feel distance from us. Or a person who doesn't know us intimately, but they know us on a superficial level. But God wants to be intimate with us so that whether we're home with our parents, 
whether we're away with friends or whether we're somewhere having a, a, a wonderful church service with a good feeling, we have an intimate relationship with God. And I just want to say to our listening audience today, we encourage you to gain an intimate relationship with God as we brought out those uh, individuals who came into knowledge of the Lord, Jacob, who had an encounter with God. Moses even had an encounter with God. Isaac and Ezekiel had an encounter with God. And so when you have an encounter with God, he makes himself known to you and he establishes that relationship with you personally. And so we thank God for that opportunity that every one of us can have that personal relationship with him. And I just want to pray a prayer with you today. If you don't know the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior, praise God, then you can know him today. You can confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose on the third day. It's not by any works that we've done that causes us to be justified, but it's by what Christ did for us, what God did for us by sending his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should have everlasting life. Not only life, but even healing, even deliverance, deliverance from any habit, from believing any lie that the devil has told you. Don't believe those lies any longer. God is the only one that can cover your life, heal you of every hurt, every disappointment, every shame. He will rid you from that and set you free. Whom the Son is set free is free indeed. And won't you accept the Lord today as your Lord and your Savior? Turn from those things that are unpleasing and give him your life in Jesus' name. We thank God for you. We pray that this broadcast is one that encouraged your heart today and gave you a little more insight on having an intimate relationship with the Lord. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Linda and I. We share, we share because we care. May the good Lord bless you. May he bless you. May he bless you. And God, his face is shine upon you. God bless you. Until next time. Let me in.